Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from July 25th by our guest speaker, Scott Belmore of Mosaic Campus Ministry. This morning, uh, I want us to look in uh, the book of Daniel. We're going to look in the book of Daniel. And if you know anything about the book of Daniel, you probably know the story of Daniel in the lion's den. And there would never have been a Daniel in the lion's den when he was much older had there not been a, a story of Daniel in the dining room when he was a teenager. And so the book of Daniel is a prophetic book. This first six chapters have to do with Daniel's life, and some of the events uh, are practical events to us. But then in the following chapters, 7 through 12, are, are Bible prophecy. And the book of Daniel is much like the book of Revelation. In fact, you must understand the book of Daniel before you can understand the book of Revelation. And the book of Revelation sheds a lot of light on the book of Daniel. And so today, we will look at Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1, and how the chaos that ensued, uh, these young men built character in not only the life of Daniel, but also the life of his friends. And so, as we look at the book of Daniel, we're going to start uh, in Daniel chapter 1, reading uh, all uh, the whole first chapter there. And so, we're going to begin in verse 1 and read all the way through verse 21. And so, it says there, in the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim, King of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, when some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but God-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave these names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah Shadrach, to Mishael Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. But Daniel had purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you, and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this matter, and tested them ten days. At the end of the ten days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. 
Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they drank and gave them vegetables. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and all wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days, when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them, and among them all none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they served before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all of his realm. Thus Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. We thank you for uh, just being able to gather in this place this morning, God, to worship you. Thank you for uh, the time that we had in song to lift uh, up your name. God, to tell you and to speak how worthy you are, and just to be thankful, uh, God, that it can be well with our soul. God, thank you for your, your love for us. God, I just pray that as we uh, look into your word, God, I pray that it would be something that would challenge each one of us, God, as, as your word goes forth. And uh, Lord, use it today to convict the hearts of, of your people here, God, and compel us to follow you in a way that would be lived out right. God, thank you for uh, this time. God, I just pray that you use it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so all of us need what these young men have displayed in their life. They, they have zeal. They have excitement that comes from faith in Christ. And so it's no mistake that we're talking about a young man who was sold out to his God here. And so today, though, what we need is we need young men. We need young women. We need men and women, no matter what age, who are going to be sold out for Jesus, who are going to be sold out to God. <clears throat> and so the choices you make have a tremendous impact upon the rest of your life. And today, we're going to look at the life of Daniel and see some of the choices uh, that he made. And so there are three things I want us to consider today, uh, because these are the three things that everyone in this room is going to face the first thing I want us to look at is I think the greatest trial you will ever face is to trust God when your world falls apart. The first trial you will ever face is to trust God when your world falls apart. And here was Daniel. He grew up a good Jewish boy in, in Israel, in Jerusalem. He had the word of God. He had the temple. He prayed to God, the God of Israel. But suddenly what happens is this foreign army comes in. He it conquers the nation, and it takes Daniel and his friends away. And so he was plucked up as a teenager, put in a totally different culture, a totally different environment, a different language, different people, different food, and they said, you've got to become a new person. And so it's tough as a child when you move to a new school or even as a family when you move to a new community. But can you imagine what it would have been like for Daniel and his friends to be plucked up out of an environment that he had grown up in and to be brought into a place where all of a sudden not only were you immersed into a culture but you had a complete name change, you had a complete God change or a focus of who you thought God was and you were required or asked to, to disregard anything that you grew up with to then begin to follow what the king had set forth in this. And so Daniel and his friends, their world just all of a sudden fell apart. It fell apart. And so the question is, can you trust God when your world falls apart? 
And I don't know anybody who has been transported to a different culture lately, right? But some of you may feel like your world is falling apart. Someone you love just died of cancer. You just got the report, you've got cancer. You have some kind of financial problem. Your family has fallen apart. You have a tremendous decision and you don't know the right decision to make and it seems right now that your world is just crumbling underneath you. All around you, everything is just falling apart. And so the biggest trial you will ever face is can you trust God when your world falls apart? The theme of the book of Daniel throughout all 12 chapters is this simple. There is a God in heaven and he is in control. He is in control. <clears throat> Even though Daniel was in a totally different culture, a different land, God was behind the scenes orchestrating all of this. And it's easy to trust God when things are going great, when, when all of your bills are being paid, when your health is great, when everybody loves you and, and you love those around you. It's easy to trust God when those things are going right. But when the bottom falls out, that's when the trial comes. And so will you still trust God then? And so because of Daniel's faith and trust in God, he was able to stand. He was able to trust. And I believe that we can also. But this, the, the next thing is that the greatest temptation you'll ever face is to compromise your beliefs. Or we could say to compromise our convictions, to be like everyone else. In other words, to do things because everybody else is doing it, even though it's not in your belief system. What happened to Daniel 2,600 years ago, a teenager, uh, as a teenager, is happening today to every child. It's happening to every teenager. It's happening to every college student. And it's happening to every adult. When a godless culture around us, a secular culture around us, and you see it everywhere, right? You see all of those things going on around us at all times. It's in the music that we listen to. It's in the television programs and the movies that we watch. It's in the magazines that you read, even if it's online, right? We see it everywhere all around us at all times. It's coming in. A lot of times it is in the secular education. It's everywhere all around you. The culture is trying to immerse you and brainwash you and make you just like everybody else in the culture. And so now, Nebuchadnezzar was, was, was pretty shrewd. And so he knew if he could change the minds and the hearts of these teenage boys, he would have them for the rest of their lives. Because the values and the decisions that you make are going to determine the rest of your life. And so, am I saying that the decisions that you make today are going to determine the rest of your life? Yes, yes I am, that's what I'm saying. Decisions that you make today can either impact or they can completely change the course of your life. And so we wanna see here then what Daniel is going to do, how Daniel is going to represent himself, how Daniel is going to trust in God. And so the good decisions that you make are going to, uh, to bless your life, but the bad decisions that you make are going to haunt you for the rest of your life. And so to the, to the children's, to the teenagers that may be in here, to the college students that are sitting in this room, I believe there's a battle going on for your minds and your hearts. And the enemy and the world is trying to capture you and brainwash you to be like everybody else. 
but the choice is yours. And adults, this is for you too. It doesn't just limit itself to the ones that were listed. And so listen to what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, as it relates to the world. It says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. And so Daniel and these three Hebrew boys weren't persecuted. They weren't tortured. They were fed extravagant food. They were seduced. They were enticed. And they were overindulged. That's what the world tries to do to us. It doesn't try to make us really bad. It tries to entice us. It tries to overindulge us to the point that we don't have time for God anymore. The world wants to make us so busy, all the things that the world has to do that that we don't have time to get on our knees to pray. The world wants to keep us so busy that we don't have enough time to be in the word of God. That's what the world does. It doesn't persecute us. It seduces us. It entices us. It draws us away from the things that are important to us. The enemy is very, very sneaky. And so Daniel had to make a choice. Am I going to compromise my beliefs just to be like everyone else in this culture? Or am I going to take a stand? Am I going to take a stand? And of course, Daniel decided that he was going to take a stand. And so everyone in this room is going to come to some crisis in your life. And so three points of crisis Daniel faced are the same ones that we will as well. The first was an authority crisis. An authority crisis. We have all got to answer this question. What is truth? What is truth? That's a good question. Philosophers have struggled with it for centuries. For most of our life, for most of your life, you grew up in a family where your mom and dad will tell you this is right, this is wrong, this is truth, this is false. Pastor Randy has stood up here and said this is right, this is wrong, this is truth, this is false. But you and I both know that when you get out there among some of your friends, you have a totally different set of values. There are forces out there telling you, hey, that's not necessarily true. Right? It's just like the voice that spoke to Eve and said, did God really say? So why do you accept it? Because your parents told you. Why do you accept it? Because your pastor speaks it. Is it really truth? Is it really truth? Today in America, truth has become relative. Something may be true for you, but not for me. That's your truth. That's not my truth. And so they're telling, they're trying to tell us there's no such thing as absolute truth. And that's one of the biggest dangers that we face today. Is that, is that because the Bible says there are some things true for everybody, there are some things that are right for everybody, and some things are wrong for everybody. And that's, that, there is such a, a thing as absolute truth, even though our culture completely disagrees with the Word of God. There is such a thing as absolute truth. <clears throat> and so, did you know what our culture says the biggest sin you can commit is? 
Our culture says that the biggest sin that we'll ever commit is the sin of intolerance. That's right. Intolerance. Did you know because I believe in the Bible and because I'm not ashamed to stand up here and, and to say that I believe that the Bible says that homosexual behavior is wrong that I'm said to be intolerant? Did you know because I'm willing to stand up and say without a, a bother what it, whatsoever the Bible teaches on abortion that it's murder that the culture would brand me as intolerant? Did you know because I stand up and say the word of God says there's only one way to heaven and that Jesus Christ, not Muhammad, not Buddha, not anybody else, but Jesus himself, the one who gave his life for us on the cross, our culture would label me as intolerant. But I'm willing to stand and to say those things because it's found in the word of God. And so you've got to decide, am I going to believe the word of God? Is it true or am I going to accept what my culture is feeding me? That's what we have to decide, church. The second point of crisis is an identity crisis. It's an identity crisis. You're going to have to answer the question, who am I? And so Daniel is now having to answer that same question. Daniel, who are you? Did you know Daniel's name means God is judge? God is judge. But he moved to this new culture, and they gave him a new name. They gave Hananiah, to, uh, Mishael, and Azariah all their names, and they had something to do uh, with the living God of Israel at that point in time. But then when they come over, as they've been captured, all of a sudden, they have been twisted and given names of pagan gods. And so you do, do you know what Belteshazzar says? It says it means that it's a servant of Baal. It's a servant of Baal. And so Daniel, uh, you know, he's not going to call, we're not going to call you by your Hebrew name anymore. That's not what's going to happen. We're going to give you a new name that represents a pagan god. But if you notice, if you continue to read through the book of Daniel, you will notice in there that Daniel is continued to be called Daniel. And, and so you are going to have to decide, am I willing to be called a Christian in our culture or am I willing to claim the name of Christ without hesitation or embarrassment? How will you handle your identity crisis? Are you willing to stand firm, right? Concrete and cranes. Jesus is a firm foundation. I will not fall. Right? And so he's our firm foundation. He is what we stand on. That's what we build our life on. That's why all these young kids that we're in here saying they can't build it on Jello, they can't build it in his bedroom, they can't build it on these other things. Why? Because it's not a firm foundation. We don't build our life on those things. We build our life on the cornerstone, and his name is Jesus. The other thing is that there's a moral crisis. A moral crisis. How will I live? How will I act? How will I behave? What will I do and what will I not do? Here's the deal. <clears throat> King Nebuchadnezzar said, you guys come in here. I'm gonna be your new authority. Forget about your God. Forget about your Bible. All of a sudden there's this authority crisis that happens. He said, I'm gonna give you new names. Your name is no longer Daniel. So all of a sudden there's this identity crisis. Uh, 
And then King Nebuchadnezzar said, Daniel, you have to eat my food. You have to drink my wine. I'm your boss. How are you going to act? How are you going to behave? Daniel had to decide, am I going to act the way the king in Babylon tells me to do, or am I going to act the way the king of kings and lord of lords tells me to live? And so you may think eating and drinking is an insignificant and minor issue, but Daniel's Bible told him he was only to eat things that were kosher. He couldn't eat certain meats such as pork. I'm glad we live in the New Testament. He couldn't eat beef that had been offered and sacrificed to idols. Daniel made a decision to stick to his fast. He faced a moral crisis. And so we as a culture are in trouble morally. Technology and financially, man, we are prosperous. We are a prosperous country. But morally and spiritually, we are bankrupt. If you don't believe it, open your newspaper any day. Sign on to the World Wide Web. Watch your local news. You'll see it. It's all around you. It's bad and it's getting worse. And so in the middle of this moral crisis, we're going to have to stand up and say, this is right and this is wrong because we've lost our moral absolutes. That's why we're in a moral crisis. A CNN poll given to Americans asking their attitude about the Ten Commandments, 64% of Americans said that they would steal if they knew they could get away with it without getting caught. When it came to lying, 74% of Americans said that they would lie under certain circumstances. How are you going to live? What are you going to believe? For you guys who are in college, the university is a very secular place. You grew up believing in the Bible, and you go into some sociology class, and some professor tells you that the Bible is just a bunch of fables and myths and fairy tales. You've got to be ready. You've got to be ready. Your greatest temptation is not to fall into terrible sin. Your greatest temptation is to compromise your convictions or your beliefs so that you can become like everybody else. And so <clears throat> we've talked about the greatest trial. We've talked about the greatest temptation. And now I want to move on to the third, and that's the greatest triumph that you'll ever experience in life. And it is this. The greatest triumph of life is to stay pure in the midst of moral decay. That's what Daniel did. In verse 8, this is what it says. It says, but Daniel resolved. He was determined. He was set on. He was insistent not to defile himself with royal food or wine. And so I'm going to ask you to dare to be a Daniel with the understanding that Daniel could not do this on his own. It was due to the relationship that he had with God. And so to dare to stand up in the face of our godless culture and say, I will not defile myself. I will say no to sin. I won't go along with the crowd. I'm willing to be different. Let me tell you what will happen when you make the decision to trust in Christ. You will, you will respond as Daniel. It will be a hard decision, I promise you. It will be a hard decision. It will be hard because of peer pressure. All of the other things, uh, all of the others, what are they doing? They're eating the king's food. They're, they're drinking the king's wine. And Daniel was willing to be different. He was willing to be different. It's, it's tough. It's going to be tough. Peer pressure doesn't stop 
when you get out of high school or college, right? Language, some states now deal with the use of marijuana, cheating, sex, pornography, ladies, appearance. Are you willing to live for Christ and respond as Daniel did and be able to say, I did the right thing, I refused to defile myself even though everybody else was? And so it's a hard decision, but it will be a humble decision. And I want you to see the way that Daniel did it. He was not obnoxious about it. He wasn't bragging about it. He didn't say, I'm not eating the king's food. I'm not drinking his wine. He humbly requested so he would not defile himself. He humbly requested. He didn't make a big deal about it. He wasn't judgmental. He wasn't critical. He said, for me, I'm not going to do it. That's the attitude that we need to have. As for me, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to defile myself. He was resolved. He was resolved. And we need that within ourselves. We need to be resolved. It was also an honored decision. It was an honored decision. After 10 days of eating vegetables and drinking water, Daniel and friends looked wonderful. They looked handsome, strong, and healthy, just like many of you here today. Well, I'll just say all of you here today. How's that sound? The reason to do it is not because of just health reasons. It was a spiritual commitment for Daniel. It was a spiritual commitment for him. God honored Daniel. He became an interpreter of dreams. Later on in his life, when he was thrown into the pit of lions, God shut the mouth of lions. When he was a teenager, if Daniel had not shut his mouth to the food and wine of the king, I believe God would not have shut the mouths of the lions later in his life. Decisions that we make change the course of our life. In other words, if there wasn't a story of Daniel in the dining room, there wouldn't have been a story of Daniel in the lion's den, or it would have been a very short story. And so those decisions that you make about the small matters of your life pay off great dividends in the future. The bad choices you make lead to misery, but the correct and good and right and noble and pure choices you make lead to blessings. And so when you choose to stay pure, then God gives you the power to stay pure. Here's the last thing I want to say. If you make the choice to be pure, God will give you the power to stay pure, but it's your choice. Have you ever seen those beautiful soaring redwood trees? In, in the California redwood forest. There was one particular redwood tree recently that had been standing for over 400 years. It had survived storms, lightning, earthquakes, forest fires, but suddenly this great huge redwood tree crashing to the floor of the, uh, came crashing to the floor of the forest. They wondered what happened. They cut it into the, into the redwood tree and they found it was not the earthquakes, it was not the storms, it was tiny little beetles, just like the ones that we experience here in Alaska, that had eaten into the heart of that great tree. And so in the scope of the whole Christian life, I'll agree that eating and drinking and some of those things, they are relatively insignificant. But if you make the wrong choices about those, they are gonna be like the beetles that will get into your heart and you'll experience a spiritual collapse just like our country is experiencing today. 
And so I just want to encourage you this morning. Stand strong. Be resolved. Trust in God. Allow chaos to build character in your life. When things go wrong, put your trust in Him. And He will bring you through it. Let's pray. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org.